Good morning. Good to be here today. Good to be alive. I heard a minister once say, he said, today is a good day. And then he said, every day above ground is a good day. And isn't that true? The sun is shining. It's a, it's a big day in America. I'm happy to be here and I enjoyed listening to some of the testimonies. Uh, I certainly agree with my mother-in-law that it's great to be out of the city. I grew up in the North Hollywood area, and I tell you, being up here is just fantastic to be out of Los Angeles. And uh, it's Joel, right? Appreciate your little uh, short comment <laughs> that uh, you just said, hey, how about we get married? <laughs> it wasn't quite so easy for me. <laughs> But I'm glad I made that choice. I had 20 good years, 20 wonderful years. My wife is here, Kristen, and her parents, and our children, Seth and Abby. And uh, Sorry about your, your cat. We know what that's like to lose an animal, and it's definitely painful. And, but the Lord loves the birds, and he loves uh, our cats and dogs, and he loves us. So may he comfort your heart in this time of, of your loss. Okay, uh, if you have your Bibles... I invite you to open up to the book of John. We actually just heard verses 34, 35, and 36. And I'd like to read verse 32 and then have a prayer as we get into a big subject. My title is called Global Slavery. Global Slavery. John chapter 8, verse 32. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what for you? The truth shall make you free. Right. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, Thank you that we can be here today in this church in Spirit Lake. Thank you for your love for us and, and your goodness. So you've, you've just been so good. And we know that our country and our world is in a state of crisis in many, many places, in many ways. We pray for your blessing and that you'll help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We do pray for the Holy Spirit. Somebody mentioned a little while ago that his hope is that the Holy Spirit will be in this service. And that is my hope as well. That is our prayer, the prayer of our hearts. Please, Father, send the Holy Spirit from heaven to touch our hearts, to help me as I lead out. And we pray for your blessing upon all of us. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, global slavery. We all know what today is, right? Today is July what? July 4, 2020, the 4th of July. This is a, an American national holiday. Uh, it has a lot, of, a lot of history behind it, a lot of memories connected to this day. If you go back 244 years from today, if you go back to July 4, 1776, that was a really, really big day. Actually, we could call it the birthday of America, really. Uh, let me just give you a couple of quiz questions, a little bit of refreshing of our history. I've been doing this recently, getting ready for this talk, and so I think this would be good for all of us. Uh, it was the, well, maybe I'll just ask you, what happened on July 4, 1776? That's so important. There was a, a document that was drafted, yes. Declaration of yes, Declaration of Independence. That's right. It had actually been drafted and worked on prior to July 4, but then it was officially voted. That's right. They, the document called the Declaration of Independence, uh, it was voted by what was called the Continental Congress, the representatives of the 13 colonies. 13 colonies, and who knows uh, where they gathered together. What state were they in? Anybody know? We should all know that. It was, uh, it was, yes, it was in the city of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. 
correct. And somebody was the lead writer that drafted uh, this document. There were other people that had their hand in it. But who was the main writer? Anybody know? Thomas Jefferson. Good. Very good. Okay, here's another question. Uh, was the Declaration of Independence actually signed on July 4 or not? No, it wasn't. Who knows the date where most historians say the actual signer signed it? It was, uh, it was, it was in August, August the 2nd. August 2nd, that's what I read. That's what they say most historians say it was actually signed. How many people signed it? Who remember? The 56. There were 56 signers of that, doc, of that declaration. And the, the room that they met in, later they changed the name, and who knows now what we call that room? Independence Hall, that's right. Independence Hall in Philadelphia. 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. 13 colonies declaring their, declaring their independence from who? From England, that's right, England. And who was, the, who was the, the big bad king of England at that time? King George III, right, good. Yeah, the tyrant, that's right, that's what they called him, uh, a tyrant. If you Google America's most important documents, most famous documents, in fact, if you Google the world's most famous document, this one uh, many times is right up there high on the list, and the document is the, the Declaration of Independence. When the colonies declared their independence from England and from King George, and they declared themselves to be now the United States. Instead of colonies, they were now the states. The United States of America, July 4, 1776. Uh, the second most important document, at least in American history, is the United States Constitution. 1787, and the third most important document is who knows what? Bill of Rights, that's right, that was 1791. Uh, I've got a little book here which has the Declaration of Independence in it, it's got the Constitution in it, it's got the Bill of Rights in it, it's called Citizen's Rulebook. Nice little handy copy, and it shows these documents, plus it also has another document listed and I think this is probably the most important document ever written in the history of the world. And who can guess what that document is? Right, it was the Ten Commandments. With the finger of God. It's more than a document, it's a law. And so the Ten Commandments is written here. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Now there is one sentence uh, at the beginning of the Declaration of Independence, the, the full title is the Unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America in Congress, July 4, 1776. And here's uh, one sentence, which if you, if you were to, I'm assuming if you Google uh, the, some of the most important sentences in the history of the world, I think this one classifies as one of them. So listen to this. This is the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created how? Created equal. All men are created equal, whatever the color of our skin, whatever our economic status, uh, wherever we're from, whoever we are, how short, how tall, uh, however, you know, skinny or however we may go in the other direction. <laughs> uh, we are all created equal, it says, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. That among these are three things. What's the first one? Life, number two, liberty, and number three, the pursuit of happiness. Right. Now, this is actually very profound. Uh, it tells us that we have inalienable rights, 
that are not conferred upon us by any organization. They're not given to us by government. They are rights that we all have, naturally inalienable, and they come from, from our creator. The, uh, the, the signers of the Declaration, the author of the Declaration, the Declaration itself, does not support evolution. It does not support that we originated billions of years ago from some cosmic slime. It says that we, we have a creator. We have a creator God who made us. And that's really a wonderful thought, isn't it? To realize that we are not here by chance. We're not here just by, by accident. That, that we have a maker. You know, if you look in the mirror and look at yourself and realize somebody made me. And that's quite a thought. It really is. We have a creator. And, then, and not only that... Not only is that a, a, a precious thought, but this creator uh, has given us life. The life that we have has been given to us by him. We have a right to life, an inalienable right. And the next one is liberty, uh, freedom. And that tells me that God's, that our creator, and the Bible surely tells us this, that he not only created us, but his plan for us is that we should be free. Isn't that a beautiful thought? We do not have a maker up in, up in heaven that wants us to be in bondage. He wants us to be free. He gives us life. He wants us free. And the third thing there is the pursuit of happiness. I mean, that tells me, and we know this is true from the Bible, that, that our creator also, he wants us to be happy. And really, isn't that a beautiful thought? I mean, in this world of sin and chaos and confusion and all the different uh, religions and ideas and problems, it's, it's just a, a foundation for us to realize that we have a maker who loves us, who has given us life, who wants us to be free, and who wants us to be happy. He likes to see miles on our to see children playing outside. He likes to see when we, when we all get along. <laughs> you know, doesn't he? That's the way he is. That's the way God is. It's just, it's just really precious to realize that. Not a lot of people in this world today even know that. Wouldn't you agree? A lot of people don't believe in their, crea in their creator. They don't believe he gave them life. They don't know that he wants us to be free and that he wants us to be happy. That's what Jesus came to show us, to reveal to us when he was here. Now, back to the Declaration of uh, Independence. As you keep reading this document, it talks about the absolute despotism of the king of Great Britain. It talks about absolute, his absolute tyranny over the states and how he has abused his authority. And then it lists, does anybody remember the number of how many abuses are listed in the Declaration of Independence? Abuses by the King of England. Anybody remember? I know that's kind of a harder question. There's uh, 27, 27 abuses listed. And because of all these abuses showing the tyranny of King George against the colonies, they decided we don't want to be colonies of England anymore. Now we want to be free United States. And they declared that on July 4. And this is what they said. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing to the judge of the world. 
and by the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states and that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. So they asserted their freedom against tyranny and said, we are now hereby dissolving our allegiance to King George III. Noble truths in this document, wouldn't you say? Very noble, very powerful uh, truths that really gave birth to America, birth to the United States. Now, it's a sad fact that Americans have not always followed these powerful truths. Isn't that right? Uh, I, I was rather shocked to discover, as I did a little research on this, that a third approximately a third of those who signed the Declaration of Independence had slaves. They were slave owners. Uh, slavery was practiced in America before and after July 4, 1776. And of course we know that it really came to a head during the time of the Civil War in the 1860s which was fought largely over slavery. And it's also a fact that even though slavery was officially uh, abolished in 1863 through the Emancipation Proclamation of President Lincoln, it's also a fact that prejudice and racism still exist today, all the way down in 2020. Isn't that right? Anybody disagree with that? Uh, within the last few months, this whole issue has once again come onto the front burner of uh, the national and global conversation. People are discussing this all around the world, prejudice and racism. And it is a sad truth that uh, racism does exist. And, uh, you know, prejudice is more than a one-way street as well. Prejudice can go from one skin to another skin and from the other skin back to the other skin. It goes back and forth. Black against white, white against black, black against or white against um, brown. There's all kinds of racism and prejudice that still exists in our world right now. And not only that, but slavery exists still today far beyond the Emancipation Proclamation. There's a lot of slavery in this world. If you Google this, just uh, type in on your phone or in your computer, does slavery still exist? You'll find that it surely does. Uh, it exists in many different forms. It exists in many different countries around the world. Uh, most of us, I think we all probably know about uh, what's happening in this country. It's an awful thing. I'm not going to talk about it for, for long, but you know, you see pictures uh, in markets and grocery stores, pictures of uh, children who have disappeared. And many of these children are uh, abducted, they're kidnapped, and then they are sold into slavery. Sex slavery. It's called child trafficking. It's just, uh, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare, it's a horror to even uh, think about it. There are other places where people are uh, little children are forced to get married, which is a form of slavery. They're forced into marriages, forced into labor, other kinds of labor. As we all know, we're, we've uh, been struggling as a country and as a world with the coronavirus pandemic. That's been going on for, for many, many months. And there's quite a controversy going on between, well, on the one hand, we need to safeguard our health, but on the other hand, shouldn't businesses have the freedom to choose whether they should be open or whether they shouldn't? 
so that they can have an income and they can pay their bills. And there are many that are just wrestling with these issues in America. And I think it's safe to say when you look at the big picture in a lot of different ways, that slowly but surely most of us are aware that our freedoms are disappearing. Freedoms are disappearing in this country and we ultimately know where this is going to lead. The book of Revelation talks about the mark of the beast when nobody can buy or sell unless he has the mark. There are other forms of slavery that are more personal slavery issues. Uh, and such as slavery to, to bad habits. You ever been a slave to a habit that you, you just couldn't break on your own? I think many of us, if not all of us, slavery to bad habits, things like uh, alcohol, tobacco. There's such a thing as, a, as a addiction to certain kinds of foods. You ever heard of that? And just, uh, you know, can't stop eating something that you know is not good for you. There's another, that's another form of addiction, entertainment. People can be addicted to entertainment, certain kinds of entertainment. And uh, it's social media is another form of addiction. Uh, social media can be used for good, but it can also become addicting. Isn't that right? A lot of people are talking about that, addictions to slavery or to uh, social media. There's all kinds of addictions that people have that we struggle with, that human beings struggle with, that humanity struggles with. Just like all men were created equal, so all of us, now that we're in a fallen world, we all struggle with different, different things that are pulling us into slavery into bondage. And this is not just happening here uh, in Spirit Lake or North Idaho or Eastern Washington, but it's happening all over the world, right? Because of, because of Adam and Eve's choice to eat the forbidden fruit, humanity as a whole, the whole human race struggles with global slavery, pulling these forces that are, that are trying to pull us down. They're trying to uh, take our lives and trying to lead us away from our creator who loves us, who's given us life, who wants us to be free, and who his greatest desire is for us to be happy. There are forces at work and who is the ultimate uh, tyrant behind the scenes? In 1776, it was King George III. But who's the tyrant of tyrants? That's right, it's the devil, the invisible devil who is working behind the scenes, behind the King of England, George III, and he's been working through tyrants down throughout history. And he, his ultimate goal is to bring all of us into bondage. I'd like you to open your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2 verses 24 to 26. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 24 to 26. Paul is writing and he says that this, he wrote that the servant of the Lord must not strive. And in my Bible, in the margin, it says quarrel. The servant of God must not be involved in continual quarreling and fighting. That's not God's plan. But he wants us to be gentle, gentle to all, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves if God, perhaps, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil 
who are taken captive by him. And my Bible says at the end, taken captive by him at will. Any other translations to that? To do his will. Some of your Bibles may say that. Who are taken captive by the devil to do his will. That is ultimately Satan's goal, is to capture us so that we do his will. So that instead of doing what's right and following God and being free and being happy, that we are uh, ensnared by him, captured by him, the worst tyrant of all. Satan does not desire our happiness. Satan does not want us to be free. He does not want us to know our creator. He wants to bring us in to bondage. And he's much worse than King George. Now turn to uh, Mark chapter 5. Why don't you just take a look at a few verses here in Mark 5. Because this is probably one of the most graphic chapters in the Bible that deals with slavery and bondage. Mark chapter 5, a scene in the life of Jesus. Mark 5 verse 1 says they, they came over to the other side of the sea. Jesus and his disciples were in a little boat. They had crossed the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, their little ship docked on the shore. And Jesus got out of the boat. The disciples got out of the boat. It says, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been, had been torn apart, plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. This guy was untamable. And it says, always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, he was crying and cutting himself with stones. Now, we could say a lot about these words. Here's a man that has, com has passed completely under the control of the devil. He is a possessed man. He now has an unclean spirit. Instead of the Holy Spirit inside of him, the spirit is unclean. And it's, uh, it's driving him to do things that he wouldn't normally do. The spirit was very strong. It broke the chains that he was uh, bound by. He was uh, drawn and pushed into the tombs, into a cemetery where he was hanging out which tells me that the devil, you know, he just loves death. And he just moves this man to hang out among the dead. Some time ago, I was in a, a this was a, actually quite a while ago, I was, happened to be in a, in a record store. I guess they don't have records anymore so much. But I looked at the, the albums on the records, and I saw all these ghastly, this was rock and roll albums, just ghastly pictures of of death that are all over them. A lot of the rock and roll industry is, uh, is just you know, captivated by the tomb, the grave, dead people, things like this. And it just shows you where the devil wants to take people. That's where he wants to take the whole world. And it also says that this man was uh, cutting himself, cutting himself with stones. Have you ever heard of cutting? It's a, it's a sad thing. It's uh, sometimes um, teenagers and others, uh, they, they just, for whatever reason, they just start slicing themselves and they cannot stop cutting themselves. It becomes an addiction. People are cutting themselves today. And if you look at verse 5, it says that this man was, he was, uh, he was crying crying out and cutting himself with stone. Do you think this man looks happy? I mean, you know, his soul was just, he was just crying and weeping, and he was so, so sad that he was in this condition. 
This is not God's plan for human beings. He doesn't want us to be in this state. And this man was ultimately, he was miserable. There wasn't a liberty and the pursuit of happiness going on in this guy. He was absolutely miserable. And this tells me that that's where, you know, that's where Satan wants to take us. He wants, he wants you and me to be miserable. He doesn't want us to be happy. He doesn't want us to be free. He wants to, to bind us and take us captive to do his will and to destroy us. Now, in the next verse, or actually before I read the next verse, let me just read a, a little bit from the book, The Desire of Ages. This is a chapter talking about these demoniacs. Now, listen to this. This is page 341 of the book, Desire of Ages. It says, the encounter with the demoniacs of Gergesa had a lesson for the disciples. It showed the depths of degradation to which Satan is seeking to drag the whole human race. That is global slavery. That's what Satan's goal is. It's just to drag us all down and just make us absolutely miserable. And one of these days, in the final, final days, when people continue to reject their creator, God is going to give the world over to the tyrant that the world has chosen. We call that the time of trouble. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, there will be a time of trouble such as never was. And when that time comes, Satan will have full control of the human race. That will be total global slavery. This shows what Satan is seeking to do to drag the whole human race. And it also shows the mission of Christ to set men free from his power. So we've got the bad guys and the good guys. We have the, we have the tyrant, but we have, we have Jesus. The mission of Christ is to set men free from his power. I'll say that again. The mission of Christ is to set men and women free from Satan's power. That's why Jesus came. In the next verse, there's only one of them described in this in Mark chapter 5, one of the demoniacs. Other uh, sections talk about two of them. This one just zeroes in on one of them. And it says in verse 6 that when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. He saw Jesus, he was in the cemetery and just dimly he saw Jesus get off this boat and something inside of him said, this person can help me. And he ran over to him and he got down on his knees and he opened his mouth and he wanted to say, he wanted to say, Help me. Help me. But as he opened his mouth to say, help me, there was another will that was in control of his will. And he was not allowed to say what he really wanted to say. And so what were the words that came out? Verse 7 says, he cried with a loud voice and he said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, you son of the most high God? I adjure you by God that you torment me not. Now, how did that voice know who he really was? The reason was because that voice and those beings that were inside of this man had been around for a long, long time. They knew who Jesus was. They knew he was the Son of God. They recognized him. You're the one that kicked us out of heaven. And that's the voice that spoke through this, through this man. In verse 9, Jesus asked this man, he said, what is your name? What is your name? 
Jesus didn't run away from him. He just stood right there in Desire of Ages. It says the disciples bolted back to the boat. But not Jesus. He just stood right there. He wasn't afraid at all. And he said, what's your name? And the man didn't say, my name's Bob or Bill or Jeremiah you know, or any other uh, of the common Hebrew or Jewish names back then. He didn't say that. What did he say? Yeah, in verse 9, he answered and he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, a legion consisted of between three to 5,000 Roman troops. And they, they said, My name is Legion, for we are many. In other words, there's a lot of us in here. There's thousands of us in here, and we've taken over. We've taken control of this human being, and we have brought this human being into bondage. Well, Jesus just looked, and he knew what he was about to do, drive them out. And they knew that, too, because they knew that even though that human was no match for them, they knew that they were no match for the other human that was standing in front of them. The person that they were in inhabiting had no ability to uh, overcome these spirits. But Jesus, it's another matter. They were now in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the supreme judge of the world was now in human form. And so the demons besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country for whatever reason they wanted to stay local. Verse 11 says, There was near, near to the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, pigs feeding, and all the devils, all the devils besought him. And they said, Send us into the pigs that we may enter them. And Jesus gave them leave. And he said, Go. And the unclean spirits went out. And they entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Where, and there was about 2,000 of these pigs, and they were all choked in the sea. Have you ever heard the expression, deviled ham? <laughs> I think this is where it comes from. These were pigs that now were inhabited by demons. So the demons went out of the man, and then they went into the pigs... And then the pigs, they pushed the pigs off a cliff and into the water, and they died. Now, there's no way, if you accept the Bible, that you can, you can conclude that this man simply had psychological problems. You know, this was not just a man that had uh, mental issues. He did have mental issues. He did have psychological problems, but there was a, there was a power behind those issues. And we know that because all the spirits went out and then they went into the pigs. And then the pigs went into the water. And if there would have been 3,000 pigs up there, probably all would have gone in. 4,000 pigs, because remember, uh, a Roman legion is between three and 5,000. So maybe even if there was 5,000 pigs up there, maybe there would have been one demon for every pig and they all would have gone into the water. It's a lot of demons. That's a lot of devils. And it just shows, you know, that... I, I've used a term sometimes, I'll use it again, that humans were created to be indwellable. We are indwellable beings. When our Creator made us, He made us indwellable so that someone else can come in and live inside of us. We can become a house. We can become a home. The Bible calls us a temple, a temple for the Holy Spirit. And somebody's going to live in us. We have a choice. Who do we want to live in us? Do we want the Holy Spirit? Do we want God? Do we want the one who loves us to dwell within us? Or if we don't, then what option do we have that's left? What's left is is the legion, 
the legion of, of demons. Now notice the next two verses. It says, they that fed the swine or the pigs, those were the keepers of the pigs, they, they ran away when they saw their, all their pigs going into the water and dying. And they told it in the city and in the country. They told the people, you're not going to believe what just happened to all of our pigs. Remember those guys in the cemetery? Those guys hanging out there that were crying out night and day, cutting themselves, that had chains, that broke their chains. Remember those two guys? Well, they, they uh, ran over to a boat where there was a man in the boat that got out of the boat, and he, he drove them all out. And they all went out of the... Uh, out of these crazy people, they went into our pigs, and then our pigs went off the cliff and they died. you got to come out and see this. So a crowd came out. It says, uh, they that fed the swine fled, told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. You know, they want to, wow, I want to see this. I want to see this man. And then notice what happened, verse 15. It says, they came, they came to Jesus, and they saw him that was possessed with the devil and the legion. And now, how did he look? Take a look. This is a beautiful verse. It says, he was sitting. So he wasn't running around anymore. He was calm, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, and he was he was clothed, because before he was unclothed. That's one of the things the devil likes to do, you know, is get people to take off their clothes when they shouldn't be doing that. But now that the devils were out and the Holy Spirit was in, now he was clothed. He was modest, dressed. And then it says, and, and what's that last part? He was in his right mind. That's powerful. He was in his right mind. What are the characteristics of a right mind? The characteristics of a right mind is to know that you have a creator who loves you. Like the Declaration of Independence says, we have a creator. A creator who wants us to be free. A creator who wants us to be happy doesn't want us to be miserable and in bondage and captives. A creator who gave us a law, which is also in this book, the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments, in keeping the Ten Commandments, we are protected from a whole host of evils. God has given us his law because he knows it's what's best for us. That if we put him first and if we don't have idols, we don't take his name in vain. We keep the Sabbath. We respect and honor our parents. We don't hate or murder or we're not in, enslaved to sex sins or stealing or lying or coveting. But the principles are to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those principles are good. The Ten Commandments are good, and God gave us the Ten Commandments because he wants to protect us. He doesn't want us to go outside of that law because he knows that that's where the devil is. That's where the demons are. That's where evil is. This man was in his right mind. And God wants us to be in our right minds today. On this Fourth of July, he wants us to be in our right minds. He wants what's best for us. Brothers and sisters, we have an enemy that is too strong for us to deal with on our own. If we think we can just fight this battle in our own strength, we can't. We just can't do it. If we don't have help, we will end up a slave to do the will of a slave master. And that is Satan himself. But we have a friend who loves us and who set that man free and who wants to set us free. A couple other sentences here in Desire of Ages. It says, Satan's 
influence is constantly exerted upon men to distract their senses, to control their minds for evil, to incite to violence and crime. We see that in our world right now. He weakens the body. He darkens the intellect. He debases the soul. Whenever men reject the Savior's invitation, they are yielding themselves to Satan. In other words, a, a choice not to follow Jesus is really a choice to follow Satan. There is no neutral ground. We, there, it, that's just the way life is. And it says multitudes in every department of life, in the home, in business, even in the church, are doing this today. It is because of this that violence and crime have overspread the earth. That's the real, the real reason. And that's the reason for moral darkness like the pall of death is enshrouding the inhabitants of men. Last couple sentences here. It says, the only safeguard against Satan's power is the presence of Jesus. Before men and angels, Satan has been revealed as man's enemy and destroyer. And Jesus has been revealed as man's friend and deliverer. That's what we see in Mark 5. We see Satan's desire to bring everybody into slavery. And we see Jesus and his power to set people free and to put them back in their right minds. Praise God. Well, tonight, uh, when the sun goes down, there'll be fireworks. I think we're planning on going to Priest River. I don't know if they're having any fireworks in Spirit Lake or not. I don't know, but uh, I think they're still going on in, in Priest River, not far from where we live. And when the sun goes down, uh, we typically go out there and we just watch the fireworks go off. It's, it's a nice, it's just a nice moment. We like doing that. And uh, all around the country, many Americans will still celebrate the Declaration of Independence and celebrate their freedom. The sad fact is that even in America, on the 4th of July, watching fireworks, so many are still in bondage. So many are slaves. Slaves to sin, slave to Satan, to the greatest tyrant of all. And it's not just in America, but it's around the world. Global slavery. It's still here. It's very real. And there's only one path to freedom. Only one. And that is Jesus and God. It's that famous line in the Declaration of Independence. That famous sentence that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. We have a loving creator that is watching over us right now on this 4th of July, 2020. He is the supreme judge of the world. Someday he will put an end to all of this evil. He will put an end to it forever. He is our savior. He wants us to be free. And I, and I tell you, you know, as I was thinking about the Declaration of Independence, and how they said in this declaration that we dissolve our connection with the tyrant. We're done. We are declaring our independence. We do not want to be slaves anymore. And that is a choice that we need to make as well.
we need to assert our independence in the name of God and dissolve all connection with the tyrant, with the devil himself, and choose the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll close with John chapter 8, verse 34 and 30 through 36. Jesus answered then and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is the servant or the slave of sin. And the servant does not abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, on this 4th of July, we pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to know the truth. The truth about the battle that we are all in. There's just no way out of this battle as long as we're still down here in this world. And we can see this battle all around. We see it in the news. We see it in the developments of what's happening. We see it in the, the riots and the, the racism and the the conflicts that are taking place and the immorality uh, that's happening all around us. And Lord, I just pray that you will help us and put us into our right mind, the right mind that you are our creator, that you have given us life, that you want us to be free and that you want us to be happy that you love us and that's why you gave your life on the cross to pay a horrible price for all of our sins. Lord, please help us all to choose you and not Satan, the tyrant, in these last days so we can be with you forever when the judge of all the earth gets rid of sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting messages just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.